G'day, I'm Gary Ridge, the consciously incompetent, probably wrong and roughly right, CEO of WD-40 Company, and you're listening to Slapcast. Welcome, everyone. Glad to have you here on the Slapcast. This is episode 42. And just in case you are new here, this is the second half of a two-parter where I interview the CEO of WD-40, Gary Ridge. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, go back and listen to episode 41 so you can get the first half. And let's welcome Gary. How important is having that shared language then, right? I mean, yeah, so... Talk to me a little bit just how tactically how WD-40 took this shared language and uh, we're really talking about SL2, but just in general, whenever you're implementing a management, a leadership model, how do you implement that strategically so that, because it's just not all at once. It, it, it certainly, I can't imagine doing it all at once. It's a large organization. How many employees are we talking here? Um we have about 550. Okay. So, you know, that's not that's not a small number. But so, they're in 16 offices spread all around the world. Yeah. So that's so there's a whole other level of challenge. So what, what was yeah. your approach? How did you start implementing this shared language so that that expectation of this is how we're going to lead, we're going to give people the answer, we're going to coach, uh, we're not going to be a boss or lord over people, we're going to partner, we're going to collaborate. How did you start that process and how did you make sure that it kind of worked its way through the organization? Um, it's simple, not easy, <laughs> and, and time is not your friend. Yeah. So, you know, this, you can't take a, a you know, packet of cultural fairy dust and sprinkle it over an organization and suddenly the culture changes. And I have an algorithm for culture. Culture equals, and the equal sign means happens, what happens when, parentheses, values, plus behavior, close parentheses, times consistency. So... You know, what does that mean? It means you must start with a compelling set of values that you can rely on in the organization. As a leader, you've got to be brave enough, have enough courage and love your people enough to redirect bad behavior and to reward good behavior. And you have to do it consistently day after day after day after day. How do you help leaders that get weary in that? How do we keep fresh? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think what happens is the leaders see the results of the outcomes of their people, which is, you know, there's, you know, at the end of the day, when it's all over and it all goes back in the box, it won't be the Mercedes Benz or the BMW or the house you own or whatever. It'll be those moments you remember when you actually helped another person step into the best version of their personal self. And, you know, that's, you know, life is about, I, I read a, a, a quote of the Dalai Lama many years ago, and it is, our purpose in life is to make people happy. Hmm. If we can't make them happy, at least don't hurt them. And I think, you know, once you get into this servant leadership mode and it becomes real to you, you actually have a purpose in life. I don't have a job. I have a purpose. I wrote that down from our conversation. I love that. I don't have a job. I have a purpose. 
So I want to switch gears here and bring in some of our more obvious and relevant circumstances, and that is COVID-19. How has this both positively and negatively, because I think a lot of people just focus on the negative impacts. And um, even if we have to dig deep, I think we can realize some positive impacts, not that anybody is celebrating people being sick or dying. From a business perspective, what are some positive and negative impacts and how are you managing those things uh, or leveraging them to continue the, any momentum that you've really experienced up, into na up until now so that you can continue that momentum into the future? Well, I think the first thing was we went through a four-stage process when this started to unwind. And this, the process was stabilize, secure, reset, and thrive. So, you know, we didn't know what was coming at us. We needed to stabilize the business, secure it as best we can. And then in the reset process, we, we asked ourselves some questions. What beliefs that, that we had yesterday are no longer valid today? And from that, we looked at our strategy and we pivoted where we needed to. Um, and then, you know, I, I've made a list of, I don't know how many things that I've learned over <laughs> this past 21 weeks. But um, the first thing I, I thought about is how can I make the most significant positive difference today? You know, I also learned that in times of great and real need, people can pivot around fear. I learned, we, 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 we really, what came clear to us is that we have to assume positive intent, affirm confidence, um, know that this is tough, but we'll all get through it together. Forgive everyone for being human and forgive yourself for being human and recognize that our employees are on a heroic, heroic journey of their own and they will come to work or come to do work differently today than they did yesterday when that door closed behind them on whatever March 16th was. So um, don't try to control things that are out of your reach. Certainly resist the temptation to micromanage. Be, be clear about your intent and be very intentional and communicate why we're doing things, just not what we're doing. Mm. And so these are some of the, the things that I think are, are clear to us going through. So I truly believe we will be stronger because of this, because it's had us use leadership muscles that we probably didn't use before. And we found a few new leadership muscles to help us. So it's, um, it's a learning moment time. I think what I appreciate about that the most is your answer focused primarily on um, your thinking and how you allowed your thinking to dictate the way you felt about people and your actions, really embodying what you said earlier, which is to be a champion of hope. And so many people, when, uh, when they talk about the negative and positive impacts and what they're doing to address it, and, and, and this is not wrong. What they lead with, however, is, well, we, we cut expenses and we, you know, they, they they go straight to almost like the task over the person. And what I so appreciate about your response is, your first response was, we had to look at, you said when you looked at securing that we had to really identify beliefs that weren't valid anymore, that you led with the thing that impacts our results the most, at least I believe, which is my belief system, 
the thoughts that I'm thinking, and when I say belief in this context, I'm just referring to thoughts that I think over and over again without thinking about them. And so those become beliefs, they become habitual thoughts. And those thoughts really influence the way I feel and the way I feel influences the way I treat people, the way I act. And when we start with our belief system and make sure that that's getting us in the, in the right direction, then the tactical approach that we need to take down the line of that process, I think because it puts people first, it's going to have the best outcomes possible and something that none of us have experienced in a hundred years, right? <laughs> none of us have been through this because we weren't here. So um, I love that approach. I love that approach. Yeah. You probably read the book, Who Moved, Who, Who Moved the Cheese? Yep. Who Moved My Cheese? Long time ago, but There's yes. A great there's a great follow-on to that, which is called Out of the Maze. Oh, I, def- and, I didn't read that one. And Out of the Maze, the first question is, why do I believe this to be true? And the other question I've been asking myself as a, a, a kind of a reversal of that is, what would need to be true for this to be great? Hmm. I love that. And then what happens when you ask yourself that question? What What's the outcome of that sometimes? Um, you really do flush out the, the, whether this could be great because you, you could say, you know, this outcome is going to be great. Okay, it could be, but what needs to be true for that to be great? And yeah. then do we have the ability to, you know, deliver those truths to make it great? It's like reverse engineering it. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's another way, it's a better way of saying, instead of saying this won't work, say what needs to be true for it to be great. Great, yeah. I love that approach. I do. Um, any final words for our audience? Um, just any kind of burning desire you have to either encourage um, leaders, our, our audience is pretty vast as far as leadership level, so any final words for them please don't let this learning moment go to waste and why do I mean by that I would be terrified if I had to lead an organization now with employee engagement of 33 percent which means 67 percent of your people who go to work are disengaged and in this environment they're not disengaged they're they're dramatically disengaged so take a look at the organizations that you lead. If you aren't a servant leader and you haven't got high engagement, start now. Learn from this. Start now. And build an organization because this type of scenario will visit us again. So be prepared next time. That's great advice. Thank you, Gary. If people want to connect with you, what's the best way? Um, I have a website, www.thelearningmoment.net. Thelearningmoment.net. Yeah, and I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I publish articles on there, and I have a list of my favorite books uh, on my website. Uh, And I just released a new book on um, uh, Amazon this week. Uh, it's a combina- it's, it's a short read. It's about 70 pages, but it's a combination of the articles I've written about our organization, our tribal leadership, and great relationships between a CHRO and a CEO. So that just came out this week. It's called uh, 
it's called Tribe Culture, how it shaped WD-40 Company. Tribe Culture. We'll make sure to mention that, too, in our description. Tribe Culture, how it shaped WD-40. Awesome. Yeah. Gary, thank you so much for joining us this month on the Slapcast. I enjoyed our conversation both today as well as when we first met about a month ago. So thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for getting the word out there. Absolutely. Now, just a final reminder about Impact Columbus. It's right around the corner on September 30th. It's an all-virtual event in two parts. That means no matter where you are, you can join in. We kick off with a one-hour live virtual event followed by a virtual conference. You can work through all the speakers at your own pace. You have access to them for life. And speakers will address how we move forward individually on our teams and organizations and communities in light of all of our current challenges with this confluence of COVID-19 and this racial rec- uh, this racial revolution that we're in. Please check out the diverse lineup of speakers at impactcolumbus.com where there's still time to register and get your ticket. Finally, next month, we're diving into the topic of accountability, but it's not going to be what you think. We're not going to be talking about how to hold people accountable. Rather, we're going to talk about how we develop others to become accountable people. So until then, we'll see you next time. <laughs>